Hey everyone, welcome back to another roundtable discussion. My name is Adam, I'm the editor of The Fifth Person. And today I have with me Rusmin. Hi everyone. Victor. Hi. And they are the co-founders of The Fifth Person. And we have our lead analyst today as well, Kenny. Hello. So welcome and thank you for joining us. So at this roundtable discussion today, we're going to talk about the upcoming IPO of Ant Group or Ant Financial. So this is going to be the biggest IPO in history. So this is going to be really exciting for many, many investors and we want to discuss you know, at this roundtable discussion, what this company is all about, what potential they have, and whether this IPO is actually, you know, something that we investors should be interested in. All right, so just let's just dive right in and ask, you know, what is Ant Group all about? So I think all of us will be very familiar with Alipay or WeChat Pay in China. So this is a huge industry in, in the Middle Kingdom, right? So tell us a bit more, you know, about what Ant Group is and what they do uh, with their business. Okay, so and financial really reminded me a lot about PayPal, right? Well, how they started is simply just to gain trust because back then there were a lot of frauds, right? Uh, they have already paid out the money, but they didn't receive the item. So the thing with and financial is they act, acted as a, an escrow account. So mm-hmm. once they they're sure that they when they receive the products and that's when and group will release the funds to the uh, merchants basically. So this is basically what. Uh, Alipay is all about it. So, so this, is, this is what happened when because of Alibaba, I think all of us are familiar with Alibaba, right? It's a place where people can basically sell stuff online in China. And this is and because of that, they needed some way of transferring money to each other that everyone could trust. So yes. that was what that's what Alipay is all about. And that's how it came about yeah. in the first place. Yep. And I think in the past, China, they don't really have a good penetration in terms of credit card, not like what we have uh, in Singapore. But in China, in the past, they still like to you know make payment through cash. So the only way for Alibaba to become successful is they have to create this uh, electronic payment mm-hmm. where they created Alipay to solve this uh, issue between the seller and the buyer. Essentially, this is a trust business, right? Mm-hmm. If you I buy something online, I don't want to be, you know, uh, scared that I, I mm. purchased something and the item wasn't delivered. Okay, so this is where Alipay comes in. If anyone actually buy the items on Taobao, for example, or AliExpress, yeah. they have uh, this technology behind to make this uh, transaction possible. Alright, okay, so that is essentially the Alipay. Okay, so mm. as of 30th of June uh, 2020, the number of users on Alipay platform actually has grown to about close to 1 billion, right? Yearly active. Uh, users. I feel like their growth strategy is similar to PayPal. What mm-hmm. PayPal did was it leverage off their eBay platform, yeah. and from there they expand out uh, locally in the US. Then after that into foreign countries. I guess yeah. that's what uh, Alipay is trying to do. Mm-hmm. They have leverage on the Alibaba platform, and mm-hmm. also because they have many things within the Alibaba business, right? They have Yoku, they have Freshipo, every anything that they touch, they will definitely uh, let them use Alipay as the preferred payment method. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I that's how they for work. those uh, who have been to China, I think Victor can oh. perhaps share the story of where you know go to oh. China. You probably have What's to it like yeah using going to China and using all these things. So uh, many years ago I went I think about two or three years ago I went to China with my wife. My wife goes to China for her clothes sourcing and and I think that was our uh, maybe our our second time in Ch- I think first time in China also at, at uh, Guangzhou okay and when I was there right uh, actually I basically changed uh, uh, most of my money in uh, cash mm-hmm. yeah. and I bring extra credit card just in case I spend finish my cash right I can use my credit card so <laughs> so when I go to the restaurant to eat right uh, the first thing I thought is okay don't use the cash in case I run out of cash so I start using I want to use the credit card then after that when we realized that they don't accept 
our visa or masters in China. Yeah. So, uh-huh. so they only accept uh, Union Pay, Alipay, or WeChat Pay. So my whole trip in China, right, I have to keep using cash, you know, and we really run very low in cash and I have to really, you know, uh, think of ways uh, not to, uh, try not to use the cash that much, you know, and use it slower, you know. Okay. So that was a, was a very eye-opening experience. Kind of like a I, culture shock. Yeah, so when I was going at the store, right, I go to one of their stores for uh, uh, lunch and, mm. and the, start, the, wait, the waiter actually asked, me, asked us to use the WeChat to scan the QR code and after that you pay from there. We say that we do not have WeChat. <laughs> then the, 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 the waiters was like, huh? You do not have WeChat. <laughs> Are you like, Chinese? Yeah. It's like, I, do, I, do not, I do not know how to I reply him. You know? <laughs> China is a land yeah. of uh, QR code. Yeah. Anywhere that you go, yeah. you want to purchase anything, yeah. you need to make payment using your Alipay yeah. or WePay. Yeah. And this was when? This is maybe three years ago. Three, three years, years ago. ago. And, and when they collect cash, they were like, <sighs> like that. So that they, was the expression. That so they, 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 me, they yeah. didn't even want to handle the cash. Yes, correct. <laughs> yeah. It was like a hassle to handle cash in China. And this was three years ago. So you can imagine yeah. what? It is now. I mean, yeah. if you went there, and even for not just like, I mean, you could say like Kenny was saying, maybe for PayPal. Yep. You use PayPal for internet transactions, buying stuff online. But in China, it's gone into basically everywhere. Even if you go to a restaurant, you don't you don't pay cash. You don't you don't use your credit card to so use something like AliPay or WeChat yeah. Pay. Yeah. And that's the level of penetration that they have in China. And this is as like Wurzman was saying, yeah, they have one trillion users on Alipay. I mean, one trillion is a lot. One trillion is a tremendous business. One billion users uh, okay. on, on And China. they have uh, close to uh, 80 million merchants. So essentially, okay. they cover yeah. the whole of China. So if you go to any shop, any restaurant in China, you have to make payment either using Alipay or WePay, okay. which is a very popular payment there in China. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a Visa and Master which is very popular to us, right? But in yeah. China, WePay and Alipay is probably the most common part yeah. of the transaction over mm. there, aside from the yeah. uh, UnionPay. Again, mm. UnionPay, they only handle debit card and credit card. The penetration for credit card in China is very, very low, yeah. at about 20 over percent. I think the stats here shows that about, the latest stats by Oliver Wyman is about 75% of the people in China do not have credit card. Yeah. Right. So most of them don't use credit cards, yeah. not even a UnionPay. So, but the penetration rate for Ali, Alipay and WeChat Pay is, I'm oh, not sure, much higher, higher than that, yeah. right? And in terms of uh, mobile cashless transaction, Alipay and WeChat Pay, uh, or we call it Tempay because uh, QQ Pay is also part of uh, Tempay, uh, they actually dominate more than 50% market share in terms of uh, cashless uh, transaction. And mm. if you look at this, seven years ago, there, there was only Union Pay, right? They are the only players in the market. Mm. But because of this uh, mobile 4G revolution that took place, yep. Uh, Chinese users actually get very comfortable using smartphone to do transactions yeah. on mm-hmm. the internet, and that they actually even send has a like, huge boom. Even Chinese yeah. New York, even send like red packets, like yeah. Yeah. Using, yeah, using WeChat yeah. or Alipay, right? Yeah. yeah. So the two of these players actually accounts more than eighty percent, eighty. So the third largest player accounts one point five percent of the market share. Mm. So, so you can expect actually these two players only. It's a duopoly yeah. in the yeah. market. Yeah. Yeah. So this is basically. So this is why uh, so many people are basically hyped up about the yeah. this you know ants IPO because. Alipay is basically, you know, everywhere in China, and, and yeah. China, I mean, China is a huge country, one billion yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I mean, so I think I can understand why people are so interested yeah. in the IPO. And in fact, the uh, the mobile payment they are number one is at fifty five point four percent based on their first Q twenty twenty standing, right? And right. WeChat is about thirty eight point eight percent market share. Is there yeah. any reason why you know um, people in China they not they never really took to credit cards and they just decided to use Alipay? 
or WeChat Pay? Because is there a difference between you know using Alipay and a Union Pay? Is there a difference in the in the way it's done? I uh, yeah for Chinese I think they generally don't like to borrow money right they 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 and to get a credit card uh, okay. I think generally is a lot harder to apply one mm-hmm. in China that's why the penetration is still very low there are many other reasons mm. uh but when it comes to Alipay there are a lot of good reasons to use them uh one is that uh the merchants I mean if you are as a merchant if you take Alipay as a payment you don't have to pay zero point six percent of the transaction. Okay. amount to the Alipay versus a debit card that typically you have to pay let's say Union Pay uh, 1% mm-hmm. or sometimes you can go up to as high as 2% if it's a credit card right okay. so that's why it makes a lot of sense for merchant to use to encourage the users to make payment through Alipay right? okay. because the fees are a lot lower so it's cheaper yeah. for businesses and at the same time it's different from a credit card because with a credit card you're basically borrowing money right yeah. it's, and you need to pay for something but Alipay it's kind of like an e-wallet. It's actually yeah. your own money. You put it into the yeah. app, and then that's your cash. And then yeah. you use that to pay where, yeah. wherever you yeah. shop. And then because of that, the money is already there. It's a lot cheaper. Yeah. But I also think another thing is because it's, it's not only just for payment. There's also a lot of other things inside the uh, the yeah. whole ecosystem, which mm-hmm. make it more sticky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a super app. Yeah. Right? It's an app where you can yeah. do a lot of things. You can book a taxi. Yeah. You can rent a bicycle using yeah. the app. Right, okay. and you can do many other things. You can make payment. And of course, Alipay gets become very popular also because of the Alibaba, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the sponsor, the parent company, where a lot of people started to you know shop online. Uh, in fact, e-commerce as a percentage of the total retail in China now accounted more than thirty percent of the total mm-hmm. retail sales, which yeah. is huge in China. Mm-hmm. And I think users or rather customers actually get very comfortable using Alipay because they when they shop online they have to use Alipay, and now they have to go to the offline store they also accept yeah. Alipay. So everyone started to yeah. use Alipay, and that becomes very yeah. it's just become a norm in China. Actually, it's quite surprised that you you say the figure of thirty one percent is way higher than the US of sixteen percent in yeah. two thousand nineteen. You know. Okay, yeah, so yeah. basically the Chinese are just a lot more comfortable with yeah. using online digitization for you know the way they pay and the way they shop. Yeah. It's just part of their lives, it's yeah. like their habit and and that's incredible in a country of uh, 1 billion people or 1.3 yeah. actually yeah. that uh, there's so many people are just so hooked up to you know the, the, the internet in a way. Yeah. 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 In terms of number of uh, monthly active users for Chinese users currently account more than eight hundred one million mm. active users, which is a lot. So there's yeah. there's still some room for growth, right? Mm. I mean, yep. yeah. one point three million a billion people in China, yeah. uh, and uh, as of now, so they still have some way to go. And I, I, what's the mobile penetration rate? It's about sixty three percent. Sixty three percent. So not everyone in China owns a yeah. smartphone or mobile phone. I'm not sure. Uh, what, internet. Uh, mobile internet user penetration rate. Oh, okay. So yeah. so there's still some runway yeah. within China itself. Yeah. To give us perspective, uh, US is actually eighty one percent. Okay. Yeah. So there's still some way before it reaches like a developed like status yeah. like the US. Yeah. I think maybe in like a like Korea, which is super connected, is even higher than that. So if China even gets to the level, there's the potential for Alipay within China is still is still tremendous. The runway is still pretty long for something like that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And are they are they also expanding, looking to expand outside of China for Alipay? Uh, yes, they are. But I think most of the expansions mainly for the reach for the Chinese customers who are going overseas traveling mm. outside of China so they still try to reach out to those stores that are outside of China and hopefully that they can accept Alipay so it uh, makes more convenient for Chinese Chinese yeah, tourists tourists yeah, yeah to make transactions yeah. with outside of China actually that, you can yeah. see that in some of the Singapore stores they really accept Alipay yes, yeah, and yeah. WeChat Pay 
uh, payment system. Yeah. And China, you know, Chinese tourists they can really spend, and a lot of stores will be more than happy to accept them, right? If you have Chinese tourists coming over. That's actually quite a brilliant strategy because we all know Chinese tourists are everywhere. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Germany, I think last December, and you know, Germany, right? So yeah. I was uh, at, the, I think, the Nordschwanstein Castle. It was just full of Chinese tourists. So, <laughs> so I mean, they're everywhere, but this is a brilliant strategy where if you know, the Chinese tourists are just going everywhere around the world, and of course, merchants, you know, businesses everywhere want the, want the, the Chinese dollar, right? Yeah. Yeah, the Chinese roaming be. And if you have Alipay everywhere around the world, there's a way of like getting penetration elsewhere. And then that's, that, that could be a way to you know, get even retail people, like customers to start using that e-wallet as well. There could be a potential for that in, in some ways. Yep. 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 So I, I mean, I think the growth for Alipay is definitely there just in China alone. But is there any, I mean, uh, Ant isn't just Alipay. They have other yep. business segments as well. So tell yep. us a bit more about the other business segments that they Actually have. Actually, just uh, Alipay is still contribute about one third of the business, the mm. entire revenue. So the other rest of the two thirds actually made up of other businesses. Yep. Uh, I think maybe Victor can share. Yeah, so, okay. so like, like Rusmin said, uh, uh, the digital payment is actually one third of the business, but it used to be more than 50% of the business. Okay. But along the years, right, there are other business segments because uh, they build a whole ecosystem into a network effect that they becomes like a distribution channel. So in the end, they start to branch out into uh, other types of business that can offer inside their platform, which is, the, which is these three main segments, which is first one we call credit tech, which is microfinancing. Second one we call the investment tech, which is more of like selling uh, financial products. And last, we call it uh, insured tax, which is more uh, insurance type of business. So to give a rough overview, right, the credit tech is basically uh, microfinancing. So they, they lend out uh, money to people who are underserved. Mm -hmm. okay? And how do they make money is that uh, they will connect between these people right, on their platform with the fin financial uh, institution. Mm -hmm. okay? So they link that up and whatever loan that the financial institution right approve and lend to their platform user mm -hmm. right based on the interest income right they will get a percentage of it and they call it technological fee okay, okay? Yeah. then when it comes to the investment tech it's based on the financial products that is sold to the uh, uh their platform user and they get a percentage of the asset under management in short we call it aum okay and for the insurance tech uh, basically, is they sell insurance premium, mm -hmm. and they will get a percentage of the premium insurance premium, and all these they call it technological fee, right? Mm. So that's the whole overall of how they actually uh, make money. So basically, Ali, I mean, and I mean, once I would say AliPay, but basically, AliPay the yep. app has built a distribution network. Correct. There's just like all over China, and now they're leveraging on this network yep. to basically connect other aspects of the financial world yep. with the entire user base. Correct. So that, like you say now, they're doing loans. Yeah. Uh, they're doing uh, insurance as well. Yeah. So there's a lot of potential in other areas yeah. as well. Because I was pretty uh, surprised by by that. You know that the fact that even Ali, the, how big Alipay is, it, it only contributes one third of the revenue. Yeah. For Ant. Yeah. So that, that means the other groups are you know uh, yeah. generate so much I more. I think the well. amount of data that they have collect right have really bring give them a lot of advantage in how they actually can branch out to other business and I, I think uh Rusmin got more insights on how they actually use the data on to to run in all this uh, credit tech type of business right yeah okay so for the credit tech business this is actually made up about 40% of the revenue in fact yep. it's the biggest now okay. it has over 
taken uh, the payment side. And for the credit tech business, I think essentially they have two divisions where one is they serve to the consumers, mm -hmm. the, probably those Alipay users, yep. and the other one is to the small business, medium uh, businesses right, in terms of the loan. Okay, yeah, so, so the loan, I think yeah. the loan is about 1.7 trillion for the consumer and 0 0.4 trillion for the yeah. uh, small businesses. And this is in Roaming B. Yeah, Roaming B. Yeah. So uh, if you look at the, the consumer loans, uh, actually the equivalent version of it, you can call it the credit card version of the Alipay, right? So mm -hmm. essentially the Alipay users can actually so-called spend, uh, they call it Huapi, right? basically where you know, consumer can just, uh, they, they have to apply for it of course, and then they will have a credit limit they will set mm -hmm. to them uh, once they get approved. And essentially they can use that credit limit to spend on buying items on Taobao on oh, credit. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and of course they have up to 45 days that interest fees before they actually start the interest start to kick in. So it's almost like a credit card, mm -hmm. except that you don't have the card itself, you are using your mobile as your virtual uh, credit card. Mm -hmm. right? And this is really very popular in China because they have this uh, credit uh, system where credit score, I mean if the users themselves, that they have a good credit history, they have a stable job, uh, they have uh, information uploaded into the system like their assets you know businesses or how much government you yeah <laughs> so essentially their credit system will go up as high as 700 800 and the higher it goes okay. the better their credit profile and they can borrow money at a much lower uh, it's kind of like the fico yeah. score yeah. in, in it's the US, like FICO score, right? yeah. and so that is one part of the business and the other one is the jp business which is j basically borrow right so it's almost like a cash credit where you can borrow uh, cash from the credit company and they will straight away give you cash instant, almost an instant, right? And okay. then you can use the money to purchase whatever the items that you want, okay? So, but the interest will start to count on a day-to-day -day basis. It's not like a credit card. Right? So you can see this segment of the business almost like a Visa and MasterCard, Master, right? Yeah, because okay. Alipay is the largest, so they could, they would probably be the Visa and then yeah. mm -hmm. uh, we, 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 we pay will be like the MasterCard, right? Mm -hmm. So with this is, what their advantage is because they're serving this underserved uh, market. market, right? Mm -hmm. They have the advantage of having data doing risk management. So what they do is they collect this data because they know how much money uh, you're making and yeah. how much money you're spending and uh, basically your spending behavior mm. and how risky is that so they can come up with a personalized so-called interest rates mm -hmm. per person or how much credit limit yeah. they will allow you and they will provide this data to the financial institutions basically banks so they work with 100 banks in yeah. China so, so yeah. I, I and doesn't lend the money itself yeah it just right. connects yeah. with other yeah. lending institutions. Yeah. To, yes. to, to put into perspective, right? Uh, actually, they do not want to use their balance sheet or provide any guarantee. Mm -hmm. So actually, uh, based on the, the credit balance, right? 98% uh, of them is all under their financial partners. Only 2% of them is handled by themselves. Okay. So you just see them as a platform? So intermediary. Business right? intermediaries, yeah. yeah. It's like a platform, yeah. basically. Yeah. Yeah. So they connect uh, the, the users that they have on you know, Alipay that they've built up over these many years, yeah. connect them with you know, all the banks and lending, lending institutions because they have, like Kenny was saying, the data advantage. Yep. Yes. They understand the users so much better. Yep. They know how they spend, what yep. they spend on, everything about them. So they, they have a model or algorithm that allows yep. them to kind of decide how credit worthy a user is yeah. and then extend a suitable amount of credit if they want to. Yes, correct. So, I think they will yeah. pass this data to the financial partners and the financial okay. partners based on this data evaluate the loan before uh, tell, telling them whether they approve what amount of loans and what's the interest of the loan. Okay. So yeah, in a way you can see it as Mastercard and Visa, except without the physical card, you know, you're just yeah. extending yeah. loans from them, mm. the banks. 
uh, through the basically from phone yeah. the app and okay. then yeah. you can so, use so China is very unique in their way. I mean, they don't mm. really use a lot of credit card. Yeah, but they use yeah. iPay as a credit card. So their own yeah. ecosystem. Yeah. It's their own ecosystem. And they can yeah. use this to spend on whatever they want. Yep. Yeah. yeah, but of course, the, there's always a credit limit depending yeah. on their credit yeah. rating. Uh, how, how, yeah. What is the score that they have? Yeah, some user with a very bad score, of course, they can't even borrow money at all. Okay. Yeah. So, what is the growth potential like for this particular business segment? Uh, so, if you were to look at this uh, credit uh, past 2017 to 2019 growth, right, is mm. compiler growth rate is about 60.9 percent wow. based on the. Uh, revenue okay okay but based on the first half right they have grown by 59 percent so first half of 2020 this year yes correct yeah. okay so it's about a 60 percent yeah so it's still a very young industry yeah. actually okay. consumer finance yeah yeah, yeah. I think it's an underserved industry right because uh in uh they, the firstly uh the amount they loan is much lesser but mm -hmm. the yield they get the interest they get is much higher mm -hmm. Right, and also the when they loan to the business, right, the business, uh, some business they don't want to loan a lot of money. They want to loan about maybe five hundred thousand RMB and lesser. Okay. And there's an increasing trend in this, uh, this group of uh small businesses that want to loan five hundred thousand RMB and lesser. Okay, and of course there's one more part where they also lend out the loans to those uh, small business uh, uh companies. Okay. Uh, this is actually contribute about twenty percent of the loan yeah. value that they have. Okay, so. And they also have a licensed bank, uh, which of course they are not a majority shareholder. They own about thirty percent stake in this uh, MY Bank, where they just serve mainly uh, small business, yeah. uh, medium businesses, right? And the thing about this uh, company is that the MY Bank, and they have this uh, three one zero format, right? You take three minutes to apply, one second to get a decision whether you get a loan or not, <laughs> and there's zero human intervention, right? So okay. basically, this is a fully automated yep. kind of uh, bank that you're looking at, right? So it's wow. super yeah. lean to operate. Mm. Yeah, and the interest rate can be as low as three point six five. Yeah. I mean, in China, this is considered quite low. Yeah, so that that is the two percent that we are talking about that is under their balance sheet. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I mean, the the scale. I mean, if you, like you're saying, three zero one, right? That, I think. I mean, if you want to serve a billion people in China, and you gotta, I mean, do it the traditional way. It's gonna take you a lot of investment. I mean, if you want to do like physical branches and all yep. that stuff, but they found a way to, to basically just digitize everything, automate the whole, yeah, automate process, the whole yeah. process, and still you know do it in a very profitable way that doesn't allow allow them to take on too much risk. It's a legit fintech. It's a, this yeah. is a real fintech. A so real, one of the yeah. one of the pro professors actually went to uh and yeah. group right then yeah. then they went to see and say how come you're not hiring a lot of people? They say no, we just <laughs> automate everything. They say well, they use the same group of people, yeah. they create an app, they automate it, and after that they will move on to an another project so that's why yeah. they're not hiring as yeah. much or as wow this, uh, that's amazing so i mean yeah. i mean if you hear something like that it's pretty amazing but here in, yeah. in a country of like the, a billion 1.3 billion people this is just incredible huge potential this yeah. huge yeah. potential and like you were saying this this uh you know credit tech is basically still quite nascent in uh, china because not many people borrow money yet, yet yep. right yeah. so the potential for growth in this area is still even even more than the payment system. Yeah. So basically, yeah. to put in perspective, in China, right, uh, their consumer credit balance to their cash is about fourteen percent. Okay. So if you go to look to the US, where they always uh, borrowed money, right, that's about thirty three percent. So this end is not really an end. It's not yeah, the it's small a, end that you're looking yeah, at. It's yeah. a big end. I, so a, I have no idea what they call it. End. <laughs> 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 you know those uh, marble end men.
Ant Man became giant man. This is kind of different. <laughs> but but this is this is tremendous potential. So this is just for uh, credit tech. Yes, correct. Yeah. So what about the next the other business segment that they have? Investment tech. Investment tech. Okay, yeah. so basically, uh, investment tech. If you look into the whole uh China uh user right, based on the stats right by Oliver Wyman right, cash and deposit as a percentage of the personal investable assets right in China is about fifty eight percent. So fifty eight percent of the whole assets that that can be invested is actually still in cash in in China. So actually okay. in China, a lot of people still uh don't know how to like invest in the right financial product. Okay. So they they become the bridge right to introduce financial products to. Uh, all these platform users that okay. are using their platforms. So I think before all these investment came in, actually the for the investment tech, the one that actually got very popular is the uh, uh, Yeopao, right? Okay. Which is uh, money market funds yeah. uh, because Chinese traditionally they like to hold onto cash. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we put your money on the digital wallet, Alipay. You yep. are not getting any interest, right? So. Okay. And financial essentially came up with this innovative product. Yeah. It was revolutionary at that point of time, where instead of putting the money just on a digital wallet, why not sweep that money into mm. a money market fund where okay. they call it Yuopao and start to earn interest. It's almost like putting your money in yeah. the traditional bank where you earn the interest rate. Now mm. you can earn a higher interest rate than the traditional bank. Okay. And because of this uh, introduction, I think that blow up it exploded in terms of popularity and because uh, the users can actually start to put the money as low as uh, one renminbi and okay. they start to earn interest on a day-to-day basis right yeah. so it becomes very popular in china mm. and overnight they actually accumulated about close to 10 billion uh, renminbi in okay. terms of uh, AUM right yeah. so and then of course today they are a lot bigger they are in size in terms of uh, AUM is about 1.2 trillion for this uh, year about itself yeah to yeah. put those numbers right the whole AUM for Alipay right, uh, for M Financial is about 4.1 so the year about is about I think about close to 30 percent yeah 4.1 trillion 4.1 trillion yes yeah I mean this is a really smart move as well I mean if you have all this money in the in an e-wallet not doing anything Anything, and you can yeah. just kind of like yeah. start a money market fund or even just connect it to another fund or whatever it is mm. people will just start putting the money there if they trust you and they trust you because they use they've yeah. been using your yeah. your services for so many years and then you know it just kind of makes sense if i wanted to do it i would do it as well yeah. as a consumer yeah. they started this money market funds by themselves but eventually as mm. the demands over was overwhelmingly huge and big and they started to open up to a lot of mutual funds uh, players to mm -hmm. come in and then yeah. you know, work together yeah. with them and they just earn a fees from the AUM that they have. Yep. Yeah. Wow. So, so really they're just leveraging on the same distribution. Okay. Yep. I mean this platform that they built yep. in China all these years. So this how how was the revenue contribution for this particular uh, for investment tech contributed yeah. about fifteen percent of the revenue. Okay. So this is probably perhaps the third largest segment in the end group itself. Okay. Yeah. So the largest would be uh, credit tech followed by payments yep. and then mm. this is investment tech. But this is also growth uh, in this segment because yes. like you were saying, the Chinese don't really, yeah. they're not as savvy when it comes to invest, you know, investing. the financial markets and yeah. investments yeah. and all that. It's still a bit, you know, a few yeah. years behind. But they're, they're building on this yeah. in this area. And they, but the investment yeah. tech past uh, 2017 and 2019 has been growing about 27.1%, mm -hmm. right? But the uh, but their first half 2020 did very well. they grow grown up by 56%. Wow, so that's, yeah. that's tremendous growth as well. So I think as the Chinese population, you know, they become more familiar with all these investment products. I mean, this is a psych, I mean, this is a, kind of the same thing that happened in any other country. I think in Singapore, the same thing happened. We get more savvy with how we want to manage and invest our money. And the same thing is going to happen in China. And then Alipay, I mean, or Ant is right there just to leverage on the network that they have, and then they can just start, uh, you know, introducing so many things to all yeah. this, the entire user base.
And of course, the last part of the business is the insurtech. Yeah, okay, yeah, made up about eight percent of yeah. the revenue. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's the smallest, but I think it's also the one with the biggest potential. I would say because mm. I think a. Uh, China, China is like sort sort of turning into an aging population also. That's why the the government yeah. actually relaxed the the regulation for the one child policy to two child policy, mm-hmm. right? Because they need to fill up the gap for the aging population. Yeah. So if you look at the insurance penetration rate in China, is actually four percent. Right. Oh, okay, that's it's really low. Yeah. Very low. If you look yeah. at US, it's about eleven percent. Uh, Japan consider an aging population is eight percent. Okay. Right. So yeah. so actually, there's still underserved in in terms of insurance because I think. Uh, only recent years, uh, you know, uh, China grow have grown very fast, and they start to I think realize that you know insurance is very important. So I think mm-hmm. this is going to be a very big growing segment for them, even though it's very small, but it's going to contribute a uh, significant segment I think in the future. Yeah. But not right now, but mm-hmm. it may take some time to happen. But if you look at the growth of insurance tech, right, 2017, 2019, right, their compound annual growth rate is actually 96.6 percent. Right, oh. but they came from a low base. Yeah. Right, they just introduced uh just a few years ago, mm. but on the first half growth is about forty seven percent. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. it's the same thing, right? As in, they don't do their own insurance. No, they kind no. of connect yeah. it to the insurance yeah. providers, and yeah. this is basically they, yeah. they, they, they just provide so, the plan. So they can actually choose up to uh, more than two thousand uh, insurance yeah. products that wow. cover yeah. life insurance, health insurance, accident insurance, accident mortgage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So and they have this uh, one insurance that is actually very popular. It's called they call it uh, Xiang Hu Bao, uh, which is basically coverage of the one of the hundred critical illness predetermined. Mm-hmm. If the buyer and let's say they have the uh, Xiang Hu Bao the insurance, right, and they they contracted one of the critical illness, uh, they can actually claim about uh, 300,000 RMB mm-hmm. and they only need to pay average uh, premium of around uh, 29 RMB per year mm-hmm. which is about 3 RMB a month mm-hmm. and when they first launched it they only charge about $1 RMB per mm-hmm. month to get a uh, critical illness yeah. insurance right, which mm-hmm. is really really cheap and this is the market where they actually target those uh, low income group earners mm-hmm. but it has gained a lot of popularity because now they have about 100 over million users that actually wow. have uh, this yeah. uh, insurance right so it's probably the biggest yeah. uh, in terms of uh, insurance coverage yeah so if you look at the three segments the credit tech the investment tech the insured tax right this these three segments based on their online presence right their, their market position right in china is number one the largest so the number one number one every single segment yes Payments, three segment, investment yeah. insurance number one <laughs> online yeah. Wow. So basically, when this company goes public, you're you're gonna invest. I mean, if yeah. you choose to invest, you're gonna invest in basically the number one player in these yeah. respective industries. Yeah. And 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 these are growing industries, yeah. sunrise industries in China because of the way they're growing, yeah. and the way the population is you know, geared yeah. for all these things yeah. at this point in time. So this is a lot of yeah. potential. I can so I can I can we can all understand why this is so many people are interested. There's so much in, buzz about there's this. There's so much thing, buzz about yeah. this, and why is is slated to be the biggest IPO. Yeah of all time. So I think um, there's really a lot of interest in this. But I want to bring it back to the IPO now. So we know a bit, I think everyone here will yep. be watching the, this discussion and all that. We kind of understand what Ant is, this Ant group is all about, and what they do in all the various different business segments. So let's talk about the IPO right now. It's, it's going to be, it's expected to be at least, I mean, at over 200 billion. Yep. 200 billion or over, it depends on what the yep. demand is going to be like. And they plan to raise. Uh, that's the valuation, all right. So and they plan to raise about thirty more than around thirty billion or more from the IPO uh, when they when they list in Shanghai yeah. and in Hong Kong, all right. So these are the two markets they're going for yeah. a dual listing at the same time. So but before they we before they want to list, I remember that Ali. I mean Alipay used to belong to Alibaba, 
Yep. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, so how come, no, is it, what happened here? Is it, is Alibaba spinning off Ant? Or is it, it's, it's, it's not that, right? It's kind of like a, an entity by itself. And then now it's going public and all that. Yeah. But what happened? How come it's, uh, what was the story behind that? And why is it listing and all that? So because of the Chinese regulator, actually to, yeah. in order for them to get the payment license, mm -hmm. uh, they are not allowed to uh, be owned by foreign entities. But at the time, Alibaba was owned by Yahoo and SoftBank, right? Yeah. China and the US. Okay, so yes. they didn't want that. So then they just like, uh, they spun the whole thing out. And then uh, Jack Ma pretty much owned the whole thing from there. Spun that out to uh, Jack Ma. Jack Ma is basically the largest owner of that okay. and financial. He doesn't own the whole thing. He's he doesn't the own the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, he did, he, if he did, he's going to be... Even richer, <laughs> even richer, right? Yeah, yeah. But but it caused a, a huge hoo-ha because like yeah. uh, shareholders were saying like, how can you just rip off like something that you built within a company using the shareholder equity and you just rip off after it's successful and everything? But mm -hmm. of course they have their reasons. But of course there's a, a lot of speculations like why why he did it, you know, and and whether in the future there are risks of uh, these mm -hmm. kind of things it happening is, yeah. again, right? But as a result of that, they actually own. Um, uh, they, they give them the right to own 37.5% of the pre-tax profits of uh, N Financial. Mm -hmm. And then they have the options to convert to equities. But in the past couple of years, uh, they, the, uh, a couple of years back, they actually converted to a 33% equity. equity. So Alibaba yeah. effectively own one third of, of N Financial. Okay. Yeah. So Alibaba shareholders from owning the whole thing in the past, yeah. now they own 33% of yeah. Amp Group. Yes. Doesn't seem like a good deal, but at least they still have something, right? So what do you think, was, was it a fair thing that happened yeah. to Alibaba shareholders? It, it was a sneaky deal. I think it's fair if yeah. my name is Jack. <laughs> but I mean, it's a done deal, right? So yeah. there's nothing you, can, you, you can't yeah. do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now, uh, who are the other investors in um, the shareholders in and, and Group besides Alibaba at this point? Usually there's a consortium yep. of investors and yep. basically people that he, he worked with. So, but of course they are also not really prominent figures. So okay, but basically Jack, Jack is the biggest yep. uh, Jack, shareholder yeah. of this, yeah. Jack Ma. So he stands to gain, gain a lot from uh, this IPO. Definitely. Yeah, so I mean it's going to be <laughs> a big one. So yeah. now let's, let's talk about the valuation. I mean 200 billion valuation, it, it's, it's a huge valuation, yep. right? So uh, do you think that valuation is overpriced? Is it too high? based on everything that you know, we know about Ant Group at this point yeah. in time. What do you guys think? Okay, so if you look at the first half 2020, right, profit attributed to the owner of parents about 21 uh, billion uh, renminbi. Mm -hmm. Okay, and if you look at uh, 2019, right, it's about 16.9 billion renminbi. Okay, so, so basically their first half result is more than their full year result already. Okay, okay. so that is one thing that we need to take note about. Mm -hmm. And if you base on just the first half, Result analyze it right. Your P is about thirty over time. Okay, okay. that that is definitely very attractive. That's actually very attractive. Yeah. Yes, for such a high growth. Yeah. because if you look company. at their closest competitor, uh, ten cents is about forty over time. 45, 49. Yeah, at this okay. point in time. And at this point in time, yeah, okay. yeah. So so it's it's very attractive for something that's growing like the revenues are growing at fifty over percent, right? Mm -hmm. uh, on the growing segment, and mm -hmm. it's thirty over percent. But if you dive down deeper, right, you realize that actually on the first half, right, there's a significant drop in their expenses. Okay. Okay. First, firstly, of course, the business grow. Mm -hmm. Secondly is uh, their gross profit margin actually increased uh, significantly. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. Okay, so uh, where I do not know why the gross profit margin uh increased significantly because you, you can't they didn't break down on that figure, okay. but they did break down on the expenses. So the expenses also dropped dropped down quite significant. Mm -hmm. Okay, it so if you see maybe, <laughs> maybe 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 they, because they, they, they want the IPO, IPO right? Yeah. right? So so the first thing that if you look into their uh selling and marketing expense right under their promotion and advertising expense right, uh if you look at first half twenty nineteen right they spent about uh 9.6 uh, billion and if you look at 2020 first half right they only spent about 4.9 billion so that's about 49 percent drop in their promotion and advertising expenses okay, okay so the, the the reason they said that is because in 2018 right they said that they, they spent a lot of money right to do the promotion and advertising day. so that's okay. why they cut down on the promotion advertising okay and also because of recently covid so they cut it down okay. so whether they will increase back this uh, promotion right and advertising right after mm -hmm. the IPO is still a question mark. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is the first thing. Okay. Second thing is if you look under their uh, general administrative expense right, there's a figure about 1.3 billion right in uh, 2019 that they call it uh, royalty and service payment. In 2020 right they say that okay this thing is no longer down there so they already uh, reduce. Okay, so the expenses go down again. Uh, 1.3 billion zero. Okay, okay that's only first half. But if you look at the past. Uh, 2017, 2018, 2019, the full year, right? Uh, the royalty and service payment for 2017 is about 4.8 billion. Mm -hmm. 2018 was a low figure, about 251 million. But uh, 2019 was about 3.5 billion. Okay. Right. Yeah. So basically, what you're saying is that if you take a look at the first half 2020 financials, yeah. um, ends profit looks really good. Yep. It's really high because what you're saying is that the expenses were cut down by quite a bit. Yep. So that's why the, 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 like you said the first half of 2020 is already yep. more than the full year of yep. 2019. Yep. So because of that, it kind of looks like very attractive. Very attractive. Yep. Earning a lot of profit. Yep. But you're not, you're not sure whether these expenses will actually come back Correct. down the line. Yes. And then of course your profit will yep. go down. But of course there's still revenue growth yep. and all that. Yeah. But, so, but you're saying that this profit may be a bit optimistic. Yes, in correct. Of I think if you want to be more conservative, right, you use the 2019 figure. The full year of 2019. Yeah. So if you use the 2019 figure, their P is about 79.7 times. Uh, so it's a right? lot higher now. A lot higher than uh, uh, Tencent. Yeah, right? Okay. So, but but if you look at their 2017 2019 uh, profit growth, right, it's about 56%. Okay. Right. So if you think about it, uh, 79, about it's let's say round up to 80 times. And they are growing at fifty six percent. They just need two years to cover up that. So it's still quite attractive, in in terms of the growth that they are showing you. You know, mm -hmm. right? If they do have, if the growth is not there, probably I think it's going to be expensive. But the problem yeah. is, uh, sorry, the good thing is not the problem. <laughs> it's not that, a problem at all. <laughs> okay, the good thing is that the growth is fifty percent. So if you look in terms of the revenue of the the up and coming segment, the credit tech, the investment tech, the insurance tech, mm -hmm. they are all growing at. For minimum 40% and above, mm -hmm. right? So that is in revenues, not in profit, you know? Mm -hmm. right? But I think uh, if you just uh, read from the news, what they'll be telling you is that, oh, the PE is only like 30 times, you yeah. base it on the rolling PE. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like a very attractive yes, valuation, mm -hmm. but after Victor actually dived deep into all the breakdowns and then you realize that, hey, actually, uh, the profit could be could be lower. Right? Yep. Yeah, that's what we are actually saying. Actually, yeah. so this is something that you might want to take note. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, profit could be low, uh, slightly lower, but I can I can say this from experience because of uh, analyzing Amazon because I think mm -hmm. they have also probably uh, benefited from the COVID nineteen because a lot of people are shopping online mm -hmm. and a lot of people need to borrow more money, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. not that they are growing. Uh, 
uh, that much slower, mm. but they are actually growing faster. But this one is even faster because of the need. And then, of course, they don't, who needs to really advertise on this platform <laughs> okay. when you okay. really need it in this time? So yeah, then they yeah. just cut it off and it looks really good. And pr probably this is why uh, they choose to IPO at this time. Probably mm. could, could be the yeah. reason. Yeah, Correct. perfect timing with an increase in profit and growth. And yeah. sometimes it's very hard to dif differentiate, right? So which is which? How much of it is COVID? How much mm. of it is... Yeah, it's actually right? like real yeah. growth because yeah. COVID could have just accelerated some of that yeah. Yeah, yeah. growth because of the Correct. Know, yeah. but they say that because of COVID that's why they cut down the you know their expenses right? right Yeah. so basically I think it's important to point out that you don't just look at the headlines and read mm -hmm. you know just the news articles and just look oh it's only a group, it's, it's only valued at 30 times earnings yeah. which is which, which is tremendous for such a you know a, a tech unicorn yep. at this scale right I don't, yeah. there's nothing I don't think it's going to anything as big anywhere else so far at this point. So that's 30 times earnings for that is just incredible. But so like what Victor is, you know, has shown us is that you really need to take a look at the numbers, have a look back in time and just see, you know, what are the more stable measures of, you know, the profitability and all that. And yep. then you kind of get a more stable measure of what the PE should be. And it's about, eight, like you are saying, about 80 times earnings. Yep. And I think, what do you think? That's still, and like you are saying, that's still kind of a reasonable valuation yeah. for a company that's growing. If they can space. maintain the growth. If they can maintain it. Yep. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. and I mean, no one can know what's going to happen in yep. the future, but it looks like, uh. and there's a yeah. lot of potential. Yeah, right? It's exactly like, uh, you know, when Facebook IPO at 100 yeah. times, okay. but they, they grow 50% for the next two years and, and becomes very, it looks cheap really. Mm. Like yeah. when they IPO, it looks expensive, but because of the growth, we've covered up the, okay. the valuation. So yes. the most important thing is ultimately they need to be able to maintain that growth. Yes, correct. Yeah, mm. not just, uh, you know. So I think that the lesson comes back to it is that before you invest, you really need to understand the business. Because if you don't understand the business, then yes. you can't really put your finger on whether this valuation is fair yes. or not. Because the number is just a number, 30, 50, 100. Yeah. You don't really know anything. There's no context to that. Right. right. Even if you compare it to historical measures, it's just comparing numbers to numbers. But when you kind of like understand what this business is all about, where, where ends, you know, potential is, where the growth could come from, and you can then you can kind of make like a you know, like a decision whether this is fair. And yep. so, I, I think, uh, for me personally, I think 80, uh, 80 times earnings is actually quite fair for uh, Ant. That's my personal opinion. There's no yep. recommendation or anything. I, and I don't even know how to get into the IPO myself at this point in time. <laughs> well, what, do you, what do you guys think? Do you think at, at this valuation, using the more conservative valuation that yep. Victor has pointed out, you know, Rusmir and Kenny, what do you guys think about the valuation yourself? Uh, I think the valuation is looks attractive at mm. a first glance but mm. after dive deep uh, it's still quite reasonable based on the growth that, that they're actually growing mm. because if they are telling me that it's 30 over times PE at a growth rate of 40-50% a year yep. that is like a no-brainer so uh, at this stage of course I look at it uh, fairly okay and because all the segments are actually growing very very fast so mm. I think it's still quite decent, uh, fairly reasonable. At 80, yeah. 80 times. 80, 70, 80 times because yeah. the kind of growth rate they are growing is really crazy. And, yeah. and I think it's also worth paying a high multiple because it's, there's a lot of certainty behind this business because yeah. it's part of the uh, ecosystem, financial ecosystem in China. Yeah, yeah. And also you can think of uh, Alipay as almost like an e-commerce platform for yeah. financial products. The largest, yeah. one of the largest e-commerce platforms. So anyone who wants to sell financial products, going through Alipay is... Yeah. Perhaps one of the best way to reach yeah. out. Yeah, so to you're actually people. not investing in kind of like a yeah. small company that has a lot of potential. Yeah. Yeah. May or may not happen, but this is actually investing in kind of like the number one player. Yeah. Like you're saying. So I, I yeah I agree yeah. with Kenny. You know, yeah. it's like you got your digital payment number one, you you got your online credit tech number one, 
you got your investment tech number one, you got the insurance tech number one. So basically, you're you are not buying a really a startup, you know. You're buying a stalwart. <laughs> yeah. right? You're buying yeah. a, yeah. The, the market leader. They, in yeah. they, this is a truly uh, this is truly a unicorn, you know. That's making money, not like Uber when they yeah. list. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not making money. Tesla not making money, yeah. you know. And, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like solid. Are, yeah. Cloud business, they are yeah. now when IPO, they yeah. become very popular, and they all lost making. Yeah, yeah. cash flow. They are cash flow also losing money, you okay. know, for all those cloud business. Yeah. Right? So yeah. so and looks and group looks looks really good but yeah. I don't want to get carried away yeah correct I mean because for any business anything there's always some risks yes right? correct, correct. For any business so what are some of the risks that we can we have to like look out for when it comes to looking at Ant yeah I think the recent risk that uh, came out in the newspaper is the the Chinese government right actually came up with a new regulation for the funding right so the the, the for their which will affect their credit tech business okay. which is the one that's growing very fast yeah okay so what happened is that now the government tightened the regulation, say that the funding right must be about four times the company's uh, net asset. Okay. So if you look at uh, N, right, it's about four point seven times, right? So okay. they are above the limit already. Okay. Okay. So but but I think uh, they also knows that they are above the limit. That's why uh, they also are planning to apply uh, uh, a, a new financial holding license for uh, through a. Uh, one of their Zhenjiang Finance Credit Network mm -hmm. technology unit, right? So by, by doing that, they can actually can lower the cap. Okay. Right. Yeah, they also, I think, capping the loan interest rate to about 15.4%. Yeah. So there are actually a lot of regulatory yeah. risks when it comes to, you know, finance correct. industry, not just in China, but mm -hmm. the rest of the world. Yeah, correct. Right. So, uh, and they also, I think, central government has uh, used in the past, used to so-called limit the size of the transactions that they can carry out in Alipay. Yep. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, regulatory is going to be the main risk. Mm. Uh, and of course, they also have this Zuma uh, credit rating system where mm. uh, they actually will rate their profile. But now the regulator says that you know yep. he, I'm going to combine all of you uh, together with Ping An, WeChat, you know, rating into one. Because if you are rating a credit rating company at the same time, you are the one that lending out the money. There is going to be a lot of conflict of interest, yep. okay. right? Yep. You can't just rate and then of course, if you want to lend out more business, you can just you know, rate them well. Rate them well, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. now the Chinese government is just stepping in, uh, which is also a good thing because mm -hmm. you don't want them to have this kind of conflict of interest, mm -hmm. right? So regulatory is evolving and yes. you don't know how yeah. much that is going to so, change uh, down yeah. the road as well. So the credit tech growth about 60%. So if you based on this regulatory moving forward, maybe slower. So it's basically this, like all yeah. these regulatory requirements basically yeah. put a handbrake on their growth correct, correct, correct. because yeah. you just can't just like yeah. use, do as much business. You can yeah. be more stringent in the way yeah. you lend money and, and yeah. you, you cap certain things and all yeah. that. Yeah. So if you want to be conservative 60, you just cut about 20 or 30%. All right. right so off it. Yeah. Any, any other risks? Another big risk that I'm actually looking at is going to be the electronic renminbi, e-renminbi okay, they okay. call it, right? I mean, Chinese government has been uh, testing this uh, virtual currency that is dominated under uh, renminbi. It's almost like a Libra that is actually done by, uh, so-called proposed by Facebook, mm -hmm. that is backed by Euro, US, right? Okay. But Chinese, Chinese government is coming with their own version of uh, e-renminbi. So essentially what is going to happen with this technology is that you users, Chinese people can actually make payment uh, from one person to another without internet connection. Okay. So it's almost like I pay you cash and without any intermediaries in between because I can settle it within, the, within you know, offline, right? Okay. But they are trying to run a similar system that you can pay someone digitally, mm -hmm. e-money, uh, without going through the internet. Right? So I'm not sure what kind of technology they are using. Okay. But so far they have uh, rollout, they are doing trial in certain cities like Shenzhen, Suzhou and Chengdu. 
right? And then the trial already begin in May 2020, and chances are high that they may roll out by the end of the year. I mean, this is expected date that they're going to roll out. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So this could be competition for yeah. basically Alipay and all that. Yeah, we don't know how that is going to change the yeah. payment behavior among mm -hmm. Chinese users. Yeah. But yeah. I would like to believe that Alipay is no longer just an electronic payment, right? Oh, yeah, We've yeah, gone yeah. through the yeah, whole the thing. Things, yeah. They are a super app where you can do a lot of things, and yeah. and humans uh, generally we are very used to, you know. I mean, we are habits, creature of habit, creature of habits, and uh, uh, it may take time to change. But again, this is a risk that you need to watch out for. Because yeah. it's, it's backed by the, the Chinese so government, government, right? It's yeah. not just a private enterprise trying to you know, scale in China. This is the government itself yeah. that wants to create a, a, yeah. its currency. own network yeah. for it, its own yeah. citizens. It's almost like a blockchain, except mm -hmm. that this is a centralized blockchain yeah. managed by the Chinese government. Mm -hmm. It's not those kind of like Bitcoin where yeah. it is centralized. Mm -hmm. There's no person in between. Okay. Yeah, but this is managed by the government. Yeah. Mm. It's pretty interesting. So I think, but that could be we don't know when or how that would turn yeah, out, yeah, how many yeah. years and all that. Yeah. But that's, that's basically one risk yeah. that you know people will have to... Then you have to consistently keep a lookout. Yeah. yeah, okay. So, I mean, th 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 these are some of the risks. Any other risks, if there are any more that you want to highlight at this point? I think, yeah, that, yeah that's these are, these are, these there are, are many, many more risks, of course. Yeah. Uh, like any business has many risks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think this is the, these two are the more significant one. All right. So, so if you're going to have a look at, you know, and these are the things that you need to look out for, a lot of potential, uh, a lot of growth, but mm -hmm. then these are the risks that you need to, you know, take note of. I, I think it's important to always know that what your, yeah. what your downside is because you don't just want to look at, you know, don't get all excited and think about, you know, what your upside is going to be like because yeah. then you get, you kind of forget what the risk that you have as well. So I think I just, you know, I think we always, you know, usually when we do a discussion like this and we discuss a particular company or stock, and, yeah. you know, the, we usually end this off by asking, would you invest Yep. in end right? <laughs> so I mean not, not a recommendation by myself anything yeah. like any of our any, other, any of our other videos yeah. uh, you know but you know if you could participate in the IPO of yeah. Ant Group would you participate and I don't yeah. know how to do this at this point we're still trying to find out yeah, hmm. yeah. <laughs> would yeah. you participate um, I, I think I don't mind participating okay. I, I mean you, you don't buy so much stake like, you just buy a small stake okay like, yeah I will probably uh, give it a miss uh, I mean mm. because whatever they discuss in this uh, video mm -hmm. is just scratching the surface actually yep. I mean okay. and financial yeah, yeah. is big and you probably need a lot mm. deeper you know you need to go and study and the, the prospector itself is about 600 over pages mm -hmm. so you might want to go through them before you decide whether you want to invest in that but personally i'll probably give it a miss mm -hmm. uh, and once they get listed if let's say once i've done my homework i probably can consider and buy it off the market instead that's yeah. a good yeah. point yeah. yeah what about you kenny yeah. yeah well if if i've done my homework and i can get pre-ipo i mean that would be great <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but but yeah. i mean aside from that I, right right yeah. now everyone is so excited for me i just yeah. uh, if i can't get like the IPO price. Yep. Uh, I'll just wait and yep. see and wait until the dust settle and to enter. I mean, there's no really no rush into yep. something and eventually mm -hmm. buy it at a high price to lose it, right? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. I think, but anyway, yeah. the if you look at a lot of the IPOs, sorry, most of the IPOs at a high, uh, maybe like eighty percent of the IPO when the IPO they, they tend to drop down a bit and that's yeah. where you can you can scoop up if you want. Okay. But there's, only, there's, there's always twenty yeah. percent will always just keep going up. Right? Well, this is the US market. Yeah. Chinese market is a little bit different, especially yeah. they're going to list it in the star market, which yeah. is a lot of the companies over there are listed at trading a multiple of more than hundred times earnings. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. All the tech companies. So I think that's a good point that Rusmin really brought up because you don't just mm -hmm. want to get excited about yeah. yep. 
uh, company. I mean, Ant looks great, yeah. you know, with all its potential, but we don't really know everything about it, especially because yeah. it's not listed, right? It's not, it's not been listed. It doesn't really have a track record that you can, you know, review over the last five, ten years. You're basically investing in something that, you know, yeah. based on the prospectus that they give you. Yeah. And you based on that, and you got to read six hundred pages of that, and, and then you yep. make a decision. Yeah. And some people may not be comfortable with what Jack Ma has done previously, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. and financial, whether it really going to happen again in the future, is mm-hmm. anyone guess? Yeah. Yeah. So management yeah. is a, a key component of your analysis as well. Mm-hmm. So I think I mean usually when we when we talk about IPO stocks in general, we don't we don't invest in IPO stocks yeah. ourselves yeah. because we don't know enough information about them. Yeah. But you know, in this case, it's just that Ant is is such a big you know, company with a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, we've gone through the video, you know exactly what Ant is. Yep. So it's kind of like different to a regular IPO. Yeah. So yeah. this but is- But there's no difference. doubt, I think the yeah. future is bright for Ant Financial. As mm-hmm. what Jack Mao is says, small is beautiful, right? <laughs> so, yeah. so that's why you call it Ant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah, so, and a lot of uh, big shots like Temasek, I mean, they are all going to subscribe more to IPO share. Rumor yeah. says that. Okay, yeah. okay. Yep. Because I think they generally uh, will benefit from the big trend, right? As Chinese become more and more affluent, and then yeah. as yep. China focuses on more on domestic consumption, that is just an yep. idiot proof, I, I believe, idiot proof way of <laughs> <laughs> investing in anything. Like, oh, as long as the trend continues and it's clear that it's continuing moving in the direction, then why not invest in something like that right. that will yep. benefit? So, in any that case, way. always do your own homework, yep. do your own due diligence, make your own investment decisions. Yep. And yeah. everything that we share with you is just, you know, just for your information to, to find out more. And then yep. uh, you still need to do your own due diligence all the time. Yep. All right. So thank you so much, guys. I think this was a really good discussion yeah. because I think Ant is a really exciting IPO. Everyone's covering it at this point. All the news media is covering it. Yep. Uh, it's going to be a huge IPO. We don't know when it's going to IPO yet, right? The yep. date yeah. has not been set. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's in it's on the line, and I think it's yeah. gonna happen pretty soon. Yeah, it could be launched if the time you watch this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know who knows. Yeah. And uh, but thank you so much once again. So once again, I have uh, Rusmin, Victor, and Kenny. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you so much, guys. Thank you. My See name you. is Adam. So we're all from the fifth person, and thank you for joining us on this discussion. So if you really liked it, just you know put a you know hit the like button on this video, subscribe to our channel because we have a, many more you know roundtable discussions yeah. coming up along the way. Whenever we discuss, you know, uh, things that are yeah. happening in the, you know, in the markets right now. Yeah. As, uh, Any as well. points that we miss out during discussion, feel yeah. free to point out in yeah. the comment section. Yeah, we love to hear from you. We can't yeah. be. There are always there are experts yeah. out there as well. I think maybe yeah. you might be an expert in this. Feel free to share your comments yeah. and your views, and we you know keep this discussion going on yeah. in the comment section as below as well. And you know, we will re- reply to some of your comments and questions. And subscribe. Yeah, and subscribe. <laughs> yeah, so subscribe to our channel. We really appreciate you being part of this channel. So once again, thank you so much. Thank you so much. We'll see you around. Thank you. See you. See you.